The Button Ski Hanger is a patented ski storage fixture that safely stores alpine skis regardless of length, width, or shape. This means that your fat powder skis can now be stored next to your narrower carving skis, your race skis, and your kid skis. For more information, visit their website, buttonskirack.com. The Button Ski Hanger is also available for purchase at amazon.com. So make your purchase today. The button ski hanger is simply better for your skis. Hestra knows hands. For over 80 years, Hestra has been producing the highest quality, warmest gloves you can own. Crafted with durable, form-fitting leathers, they are made with the end user in mind. Don't let cold hands end a great day of skiing or snowboarding early. With hundreds of different options, you'll find a Hestra glove that fits your needs. Check out Hester Gloves at HesterGloves.com. That's H-E-S-T-R-A-G-L-O-V-E-S.com. Or at your local ski shop or wherever Hester Gloves are sold. Hester Gloves, taking care of your hands since 1936. Welcome to New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast, presented by Country Ski and Sport. Ski season is here, and it's time to gear up at Country Ski and Sport. Shop now for your best preseason deals at any of their three locations in Hanson, Quincy, and Westwood, Mass. Or shop online at countryski.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome into the New England Ski Journal's Basecamp Podcast. I am editor Eric Wilbur, and I am joined by my co-host, as always, Mike Speeson, who's live from his uh, living room, family room, office on Zoom, recovering further from his knee surgery. And Mike, how's it going? Eric, it's going outstanding. Uh, you know what? Really outstanding. I mean, the knees, the knee every day is better. Mm-hmm. I'm one day closer to the slopes. But even what's more outstanding is that it looks like we are turning back to winter. Yeah, we're all one day closer to the slopes, if you think about it that way, right? By the time this podcast airs, it will be at the tail end of what looks to be a very interesting week weather-wise. Sunday, we were due to have about a foot of snow at Wachusett. Already made my plans to get out there to Princeton. Like, that's going to be ground zero. Well, it was. By the time you're listening to this, you you get how the, the future thing works. And then Tuesday and then the end of the week was supposed to, into the long weekend, be a little unsettled, snow, rain, we don't know. When you're listening to this podcast on going into the long weekend, you may be swearing at us saying, get anything. So if that's the point, we apologize. Uh, We don't control the weather yet. Maybe the AI will at some point, but we right now do not control the weather. So hopefully... We will speak in terms of this being a glorious week of weather. Right, Mike? Yes. <laughs> okay. He's, he said it. I'm not playing weatherman. Eric is. No, it, 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 it all looks good considering Boston hasn't had any snow in two years. Pretty much. Yeah, substantial was, amount. Yeah. I mean, the moral of the story is finally we have some weather coming. And, and finally it's, it's, Massachusetts, which doesn't necessarily need the snow, right? Because if you're a skier and you're looking to go up north, then you want to see what the, it's the backyard theory. It always will be, right? If there's snow in my backyard, I'm going to Vermont. If there's no snow in your backyard, hey, here's a hint. 
there's still snow in Vermont, even though you can't see it. There's this neat little tool called the internet where you can check conditions now. It's amazing. But uh, it sure is. But in this case, it's Massachusetts ski areas that hopefully were the ones really helped out. Like I mentioned, Wachusett was right in, in dead center. So was Connecticut, right? And, and next week, we're going to have someone from a Connecticut ski area on the air. So it's going to be interesting to ask them sort of how their weather patterns are, how they depend on weather patterns, for instance. But we well, haven't, I'm sorry. I follow, I follow all the way down to DC because my business is the ski industry. I've got reps everywhere trying to figure out what the mood is, what conditions are. So on my computer every morning, I pull up each state's snow reports okay, good. just to see what's going on. I think what is tremendous about this storm, especially as bad as it can be up at Loon or Atitash or Stowe because of the weather we've had, I just feel for our feeder areas that we can't afford to lose through the Poconos, through West Virginia, and so on. I mean, Whitetail down in Pennsylvania hadn't opened yet, and they weren't able to make snow. I mean, you know, when you look at the selfish part is, boy, I want Wildcat to be great when I get there, or great because that's where I ski. Well, the only way the ski industry is sustainable is that these feeder areas in other areas, whether it be Indiana, Pennsylvania, West Virginia need to also be doing well to keep the industry robust. But I, Eric, I'm going to tell you, we've talked about this pending storm and what we believe. I'm scheduled to get six to nine at my house. You said you're going to try to get up to Wachusett. Correct. I went into my PT the other day, yesterday, in fact, and she came out to meet me, my PT doctor. And I, she goes, how are you doing today, Mike? I go, I'm doing great. We got some snow coming, might be nine to 12 inches, and I'm going skiing Sunday. You should have seen her face. I go, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. That reminds me of when I, I tore my ACL back in 06. And I, I, I may have told this story before. I had a, a trip to Tahoe scheduled for the next month. And I went to the doctor asking, will I be okay to ski when I get to Tahoe in four weeks? And he was like laughing at me like, dude, you're done for the year. Do you get that? Didn't really quite catch in. But you talk about feeder areas and we talk about mountains coming back from the dead. We've got a big one, a big story developing this year in New Hampshire with Tenney Mountain. And now Tenney Mountain is, it's one of those ski areas that seems like it's always in a resurrection mode, right? Every couple of years, someone comes along and tries to breathe life into it and it kind of fizzles. This time with, with developer Stephen Kelly at the helm, it seems like they have a good plan and a good sort of reason for why they're doing this renaissance of one of New England's most, I guess, most treasured ski areas, but also one of the most forgotten. Yeah, I mean, we all see Tenny, okay? Everybody looks to the left as they're driving up 93. They see all the windmills up beyond Plymouth, and you see the trails, the old school New England trails snaking down the mountain. And we all just keep driving because guess what? It hasn't been open. Unless you're willing to throw skins on and climb it, you weren't, you weren't going up it. But I can tell you, I am extremely excited for Tenny to be back. First off, like a ragged, 
like a Sunapee, they're all close to Boston. You don't have to go up to the notch. But second off, it it has such a history and an important part of that whole Plymouth region. Plymouth State skiers always used to be up there. This It's going to be really cool watching what happens here. If you don't, a little bit of background on Tenney. It, the lone Idlewild Trail was developed in the 1930s, and then Sam Hall, a veteran of the 10th Mountain Division, famous infantry formed to handle extreme mountainous conditions during World War II, returned from the war to expand Tenney's trail system. The Plymouth ski area was opened in 1960, and that was during the boom of New Hampshire ski areas really coming into existence. And then the 80s came, periods of instability. And Tenney was forced into bankruptcy and closed. It reopened in 91, rebranded in 92, closed in 96, placed on the market in 2000. It opened in 2002. Like this place has quite the history, right? Like bump after bump after bump. Stephen Kelly, who uh, is a developer in the Boston area, bought it in 2022, 2022, and has seemingly already made some improvements that Tenney was thirsting for. And it seems like so far so good, right? I mean, it's been a tough start or a tough stretch for the, for the, the industry in general in New England, and Tenney is no stranger. But, you know, what they seem to be creating there seems to be a very special base camp of no pun intended, base camp of skiers in a community in Plymouth that really, really, really is happy to have that back. So we are excited on this base camp podcast to have Stephen Kelly, the new owner, well, newish owner of Tenney Mountain and Dan Egan, the general manager of Tenney, who's in a role that he had 20 years ago, right? And now he's back at it. So we will have those two on the base camp podcast right after this. At 4,237 feet, Sugarloaf is one of the largest ski areas in the east and second highest peak in the state of Maine, trailing only Mount Katahdin. Boasting over 1,300 acres of open terrain and a vertical drop of nearly 3,000 feet, Sugarloaf offers a wide variety of terrain for all ability levels. A historic winter is ahead with the debut of West Mountain. It's the largest terrain expansion in the northeast since the late 1970s, adding 12 new beginner and intermediate trails, 88,000 feet of snowmaking pipe, and 246 HKD snowmaking guns, Sugarloaf is a destination not to be missed. Stay slopeside and plan your trip today at Sugarloaf.com. Discover what you've been missing when you visit Burke Mountain, the last little corner of Vermont. Located only seven miles off Interstate 91, the slopes are closer than you think. Take advantage of their incredible midweek deals like $45 Monday through Friday lift tickets, or Wicked Wednesdays, where three people can ski or ride for the price of one. That's right. You and two of your friends can ski and ride for just 15 bucks a piece every Wednesday, non-holiday. Incredible. To learn more, book your overnight stay at the Ski In, Ski Out Burke Mountain Hotel, or purchase lift tickets, visit SkiBurke.com. All right, welcome back. Joining us on the old Zoom channel here is, we're proud to welcome Stephen Kelly, who is the owner of Tenney Mountain in its renaissance, and a familiar face, Dan Egan, general manager, again, of Tenney Mountain. You know him, his face from many Warren Miller movies and U.S. Ski and Snowboard Hall of Famer. Gentlemen, pleasure to welcome you both to the show. And Stephen, I got to ask you first that 
you guys are were looking for a quieter place to do this call and you're up in the upstairs lodge at Tenny and the problem is there's too many people there. So <laughs> I, I, I'm crying for your problems today, but I'm sure it's a great one to have. Yeah, it's, it, it's honestly, those weren't the problems we last year. So those are good problems to have. So making good progress against the planet. It's it's great to see the hustle and the bustle and the vibe and just things happening up at the lodge. Can you give us a little background about what attracted you to purchase Tenny in the first place back in 2022? It's a simple question of a complex answer, right? So I'll have to give you a little bit of an abbreviated version of that. But really, it's a, it's about the opportunity to do something different in the, in the world and, and make it a better place. And looking at Tenny, there's a town of Plymouth in general has got a, a ton of you know, positives to it. And Tenny is just a great old mountain. The more I, I learned about it, and uh, it just needs some help to try to get it back to the life and Really, the the secret's going to be making it more about, say, just the skiing. Tenny's got all the infrastructure and the, the bones of a good hill, but didn't have enough to... Today, you need to be a four-season resort to be successful long-term, particularly with the, the expense of snowmaking and whatnot and lifts and everything going on with climate change. So really, we have to make a, the whole community develop up here. And Tenny is going to be the, the nucleus of it all, but to make it sustain long-term, it's really about job creation, housing, solving for that. And that starts to build a community. And then as everything starts to infill around that, we'll eventually have a couple thousand jobs created, several thousand, if not many more homes and people living in the area. And then they become a self-feeding ecosystem, the, the amenity that is then Tenny. But Tenny's going to be much more than just skiing in the future. It's going to be, we're going to have our winter sports, which are going to be awesome. Skiing, the, the snowboarding, the, the snowmobiling, we've got a pretty cool big year event here today with some, some X Games folks. And now we're going to bring X Games up here to the Tenny Mountain, which is really going to be a, a pretty, pretty cool happening spot on, in, in the future here in New Hampshire. So it, it's all about, to me, building community and, and then allowing us to then make Tenny sustain long term. We had mountain biking to it, disc golf. We'll be adding some you know, zip lining, some hiking. We're going to be expanding to future trails, future peaks. There's a, whole master plan that Dan and I and the team are working on with some really good SMEs in their field from the industry, from an engineering perspective. So we're really trying to design it well for the long term and looking at everything from all of the different sports we just talked about, but also the, the to me, the most important thing of the brains is the engineering, all the hydraulics of the mouth and how it's going to flow and make sure it's sustainable for future given uh, the anticipated future climate change. Well, that's that's interesting. You said give back to the community, Stephen. You're a Boston boy, correct? Thanks. Okay, so you're not new to the area. And I know your family has a huge history of giving back and being community activists to one way or another, your sister, your brother, and so on. Do you feel like you're carrying on that legacy, at Teddy? I do. I mean, I guess... The- Understand the beginnings of a data guy. So when I, when I, when I look at the data, Tenny was a really awesome mountain from really 60 to 80. And, and they put the snowmaking in, but never really got it going after that. And then from 88 to now, a couple of folks have tried, but you know, it's a, it's a capital intense program. Yeah. That's going to be long term. It also takes a lot of good planning and diversifying the revenue streams outside of just the, the, the winter recreational sports. So, so to me, I look at that as the community element that we can do. Like we can really help the community locally. What I'd say is financially, they tend, ski towns tend to struggle when the ski resorts are struggling, right? And when the ski resorts thrive, the community can thrive. 
So I certainly look at it. My, my family's done a lot of great things. I'm very proud of all my brothers and sisters and what we've done collectively and individually in Boston and throughout the country, actually. But for me, um, sent me in a couple different fields, construction being one of them and telecommunication towers is another, which has some similarities to the ski towers, although ski towers are a lot smaller. So I happen to be good at that, that part of it. And I think that's something that takes a big risk off the table for some developers. But what I'm not really good at is skiing. If you've ever seen me ski, I skied for the first time about 18 years, a couple of weeks ago with Dan. And I was lucky enough to have Dan give me a, a lesson. So one thing I believe in is team building, right? So I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. I surround myself with people who are better than I am at the areas that I need to, to fill the team with. So I brought Dan on as a Hall of Fame legend, but you know, not just locally, but really internationally. But here locally, it's it's actually very compelling because he had really first, he had experience with the mountain as a GM and a skier. So for me, being old for two in that category, he brings a lot of value to our team. Well, Dan, I mean, obviously I know you probably about as well as anybody on earth, just because I wrote your biography. So I, I, I've had discussions with you that went deep and dark and light and whatever. And a lot of what we talked about was Tenny Mountain, that two year, was it two years, 20 to 2002 to 2004 period when you were general manager of this place, trying to plug every single hole that was popping open. And, you know, it was a, it was like, it was difficult and it really weighed on you because this place meant so much to you. You, you, you made that clear. So what went through your mind when Stephen comes to you with this offer to come back and try to finish what you started 20 years ago? Yeah, it's hard to believe that 20 years went, how quickly it went. Like one powder turn after another when 20 years melted away. But you know what? The reason why I'm passionate about Teddy is people, the people that love Teddy, the brand of Teddy, the following of Teddy. That's so evident to me. And over those 20 years when I wasn't here, always conversations about Teddy, riding the lifts with people that skied here when I was here, worked for me when I was here, all that sort of thing. I, I really felt it was, was unfinished business. So it's, it's to be back. It's not the same ski area as it was 20 years ago because of all the stops and starts that happened over those last 20 years, uh, and beyond, but. When I first saw that Stephen had bought the place and his background, I just said to myself, finally, a builder, a developer, somebody who knows how to move the needle forward and is best in the place. And that was my first thought when I saw what he, what he, that, that is, that's a great reason. And we've all seen the transformation back and forth of Tenny through the years and I, I think everybody has a firm belief that we have a future there right now. Dan, why don't you give us a little background on the terrain at Tenney? You and I have, I've skied much of it with you. Why don't you tell us all about it? Well, I mean, Tenney's just a great hill. I mean, Sam Ball, one of the co-founders of Tenney, was a skier, Ted Mountain Division veteran. And he loved mountains. He loved skiing. He understands terrain. He was a logger. And this cut these trails with love of the love of the outdoors, the love of skiing. This is a skier's hill. The glades have skier's fall lines. The mountains, the, the trails wind, twist, and dip through the woods. The way skiing was made. And that's Hall signature trail build 
is iconic. And that that right there says everything about Tenny. It's a skier's hill. It's fun to ski. There's adventure around every quarter. There's things to pop off of. Even now with our triple open, the rough Christmas week we've had, you see people having fun playing on the terrain. And during our VIP opening, people were like, oh, it's got rollers and twists and dips. I, I think that's what's exciting about Tenny, and it's got a resort. Stephen, what went into improvements, and what was your realistic time frame for what you wanted to do during the off-season, and then what do you envision down the road, maybe not 10 years down the road, but you know, maybe one or two years down the road, what can Tenny become? So obviously when I, I bought the mountain, there, there was a lot of aged infra- infrastructure, so we looked at that first as the, the initial place we had to invest. We do have some long, long-term plans, which we'll get to, but to get people to come here today, we, we had a lot to fix. So really, first thing we did is we looked at the three lifts. We've got a, a lift down to that tool we bought, which you know, is a great tooling pocket. It's over 2,500 feet long. I believe it's one of the biggest in New England. That list needed some attention, but really the, the bigger list. So we've got a double and a triple. We call them the Hornet, the Eclipse. But we re- rebuilt most of those lifts. Most of the shivs that all replaced all the rubber lines, the gaskets, the chairs. We actually took all the chairs down and completely rebuilt the chairs, grinded down all the wells, rewelded them, all new, brand new hardware, brand new slats, brand new padding. Even the towels themselves replaced all the, the, the old hardware, fixed the water welds on that and both, both lifts. So the both lifts have uh, double and triple been really significantly rebuilt. That's part of it. You know, then the snowmaking is the next critical part. We replaced one motor, rebuilt two others, rebuilt the pump, fixed all the old controls. So we fixed all the old snowmaking equipment. So right now, the snowmaking equipment is actually working really well. The lifts are going to be running really well. The next thing we'll attack after this season is, you know, a lot of the pipe infrastructure needs to be replaced, and we're running into that now. It's old pipe. It's It wasn't maintained properly, so you have some areas of corrosion and whatnot, so we're blowing some pipe under pressure, which is prone for this old pipe. So that'll be the next bigger pieces, attacking and replacing all of the existing pipe infrastructure, but making sure that that's part of our master plan. We're not, we're not spending money just to spend money on what I would say is a bad investment, but the good investment is understanding what we're doing in the bigger picture, and then overlaying that against what the existing is and make sure that what we replace is be part of the uh, existing infrastructure. And then part of goes into the new infrastructure, which we're breaking ground on uh, this year. Once we get through the season, uh, on a new uh, retention pond up at the top of the mountain, which is pretty awesome. Uh, we're looking at maybe 30, 35 million gallon pond. It's going to put some dramatically different position next year when we've replaced you know, a significant amount of pipe, but also we're probably 7x on what we have existing water storage. So by then, our snowmaking and the water to feed it will be uh, dramatically different. So I think by this time next year, the ability for us to make snow in the windows of pockets that Mother Nature gives us is going to be dramatically improved, which is then going to enhance the whole skier experience for the whole mountain here at Tenny for where we are at, say, at this early phase of development. That's That's awesome. I mean... Um, your, your construction background, Stephen, will bode very well for this revitalization. Dan, your background as a mover, as a shaker, as an excitement maker, one of the best MCs I've ever seen. Um, I, I know you have commandeered some, I, I believe a freestyle skier that's working with you now. 
And and I heard through the grapevine that you guys are going to bring some electric snowmobiles up there to do an event. Yeah, there's all sorts of things happening at Teddy. I mean, this weekend, fifth and sixth, we've got a stud show going with ex-style athletes and action sports athletes, snowmobiles, quads, dirt bikes, fin and twisted. Our new Teddy Mountain Ambassador, Annalisa Drew, 2014 Olympian, ex medalist, New Hampshire's Olympian, right from Hampshire, learned to ski and ride and had most of her success at Loon. He's now hanging out here at Teddy Mountain, which is amazing. We're happy to have her. And then electric snowmobile, we, we were a test for a company in Quebec just a couple of weeks ago testing their rides down here so it's pretty pretty exciting to see what's happening steve's into technology we now have rfid card system here through access with the gates we're committed on the efficiency and greening the ski industry so and then you look beyond winter biking trails being built by gravity logic one of the biggest trail builders in north america all so gonna be exciting with uh year activities that's awesome. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, I said that's that's just awesome because I I think you can you can build a homogenized ski area today that you'll never compete against the big guys, or you can build something totally different with excitement, with energy. And I did I Dan, I think that's what you bring to this equation. Appreciate that. It's been a long time as Eric. Man, Eric has there, and Steve brings the energy. He brings the firepower to that energy and his knowledge. So I think it's Tim. Steve was was Dan. So we're not trying to be the biggest either, right? We actually want to be Tenny Mountain. We, we, I don't care about anybody else. We're going to be the best we want to be, and we, we are going to be different. We need to break the edges and, and and not conform to say societal rules and corporate rules. We're gonna we're gonna be a great family mountain. But we'll do a lot of creative things. We have a lot of really cool stuff we do architecturally. We'll take some inspiration from some of the coolest places, ski resorts in the world, and apply it to how we're building things here. But as Dan mentioned, in today's day and age, there's, there's a lot of need to be sustainable. So a lot of what we've got to incorporate, a lot of green elements into the design, the construction, the engineering, incorporating a lot of, lot of different green front of the elements with lumber and steel, more structural lumber, less steel. But a lot of things are the MEP systems and maybe even some micro technology. So the people who are familiar with the, the greening of the, the world, a lot of ski, ski uh, places are not totally environmentally friendly. We will be. But we're going to make that as one of our conscious efforts. Well, you just killed one of my questions because I was going to ask you if you had a model that you looked at, like Saddleback or Magic, that you wanted to model Tenny's Renaissance after. So we'll forget about that question. But, you know, you do... Say the, the construction and the distinctive style of that. I don't know if this is indica- indicative of anything, but I, I did some research on your background in Timberline and noted that the legal seafoods in Braintree, which I frequent a lot, looks an awful lot like the sketch of the new lodge at Tenney. And I, and I made that connection. I was like, Oh my, I'm no architect. I know nothing about it, but I can see that kind of definition in there. So is that part of Tenny's future, right? To make its own identity and its own sort of background, the own, its own reason to come here. 
It, it really, in my eyes, it really is. There's a, a lot to be learned and appreciated from other successes like the Saddlebacks, right? They're great. And by the way, we want to see New England thrive, not just Tenny, but we just want to, we're going to truly have our own identity. We want to partner, partner with a lot of the independents and, and share as much as we can to truly make New England a place everybody comes to. My goal eventually, and I said this to the end, somewhat facetiously, but somewhat seriously is I want people out west flying out here to go to Tenny. Uh, not yeah. East go out, out west. And that's, that's going to be part of it. Well, when we see that happen, when we do the kind of demographic analysis and people come out west to come here, I know we do some great things. And that's, that's beyond the, all the positive impacts we have on the, on the local community. That, that means we really did a good job of strategizing and creating something really special that separates us from some of our competition to draw people from the west to come out and check us out. When you, when you talk about Saddleback and Bolton and that independent family focused resort, right? What we see is a thriving in that niche, right? And I think you see it all across the board. We have a great location. So we're, we're pretty easy to get to minutes off of Highway 93. And so the location for that strategy, I, I think is second, particularly because we're surrounded by ski areas. Can't really make that claim are governed by. Other, other entities outside of New England. So here, whether it's the design, the look, the field, the food, total control, right? So how we package, how we sell that has a tenny uniqueness to it. You, nobody's going to tell you it was a great week of skiing in New England this holiday week. It wasn't, but the lodge was. Well, there are some PR people that might, but I think that's between now. Anybody who comes out said they're up over next year. I definitely want you to drill into that. <laughs> I call you to task on that article, Eric, that pops up. But you know, really, when you see our base lodge, and as you just witnessed, we had to move out because there's too many people up there. The center is community. The center is gathering. And that's what a base lodge should be. And that's what's happening here. Well, Dan, I'm going to go on that statement right there to a degree. I've been watching the Friends of Tenny page and watching how busy the restaurant's been every weekend, the events, the music. Plymouth is alive right now with that base lodge alone. Yeah, no, it's pumping. I mean, and what I have to say is, you know, Tenny, Tenny's, I, I think, the word of mouth game. People are talking about us, and that's what we want, right? We, we, we buy the most ads, but we don't have the fastest lifts. But when you hear the conversation, it's about Tenny and that that's what I witnessed at ski show this year and all fall, the buzz and walking around this town, whether it's Holderness, Tilton, Concord, Manchester, I'm hearing Tenny and it's fun to hear that and just be a bystander in a store and listen to people talk about Tenny. And I'll tell you, after our big air, air event this coming weekend, a lot of people are going to know about Tenny. Boy, boy, nothing, nothing better than a snowstorm coming at the same time. Just make everybody happy. Dan, 20 years. I, I'm, I'm stunned with that number. I guess you and I have been friends for a long time, but I can't believe it's been 20 years. What was it like standing there with the ribbing cutting to reopen? Yeah, no, it's been, it's been a lot for me to come back here. I literally this mountain road since the day I left. So coming back to Teddy, uh, driving down 
off exit 26, off 93, coming back down the highway with the intention of turning into Teddy, not driving by it. But that was a, a switch. Really, I've never looked back. I think both you and Eric know me. And when I'm in, I'm in all the way. I don't wade into the water, right? I tell everybody we're skiing towards the and you better buckle up because we're not going slow. So that's how it's, that's how it's been. And face of all that we had to get open before Christmas, which had not happened for over 20 years since I was here last. I was very proud, very proud of Dave Laurie and very proud of our whole team for what they did and the time they did it, the snow, the surface, the groomers. Uh, it was good. It's still been, I mean, in the face of this week, where other ski areas are their ski teams train gates, uh, with ski teams training here at Teddy, and our base is holding up, and we're happy to have them. And uh, this is a skiers' mountain. It's run by skiers, and we have a skiers' mentality. Well, I think I'm going to make one more comparison of Tenny, and this is just a quick one to Saddleback, in that when Saddleback was closed, everyone was wondering when it's going to open, who's going to buy it, when are we going to have this beloved gem back? It was the same thing with Tenny. All through the closures, you you heard people wondering if this was the person who could change it or if this person could be the next step that could make Tenny back to what it was. Uh, so I can I can feel the excitement on the outside. So I can only imagine that being in Plymouth in that community, how they're embracing this this new development of having Tenny back. Yeah, I think it's a it's a comparison because obviously South back had its own journey and now it's they're they're, they're really thriving. For us, damn it, we're in a great location, but we have some great partners. The whole town of Plymouth is supporting us, Plymouth State supporting us, and even the state level. We've got a lot, a lot of really good folks in the state who are, who are behind what we're doing. And at the end of the day, I think everybody sees the benefit of the economic development. If we can really tend back and you know create jobs, businesses locating up here, and really start to actually build 10,000 homes in this whole area. So this whole area will expand. won't be just Plymouth. It'll be the five or six surrounding towns as well that will benefit from the, the rebirth of, of Tenny and, and then building that whole ecosystem out. So it's it's a long-term plan that's going to, I think, really have a huge benefit on, on central New Hampshire. I got to ask you, are there are there more developers with this mindset or is this kind of unique to you? I'll be honest with you, um, yeah, I probably shouldn't say this publicly because some of my clients are developers, but I always had disdain for the word developers. When I was first called the developer, I was like, no, I'm not. I, I apologize. I'm a builder. And, uh, but now you got to say I'm a developer. Uh, I can't speak necessarily to what other people look at. I kind of always done it my own way, my own, my own thing. I saw this as an opportunity where there's lots of challenges and it is, it's a long, long ball game. It's going to take a while on just getting the existing infrastructure up running, getting the, vibe of Tenny going out to the marketplace for people to come and that's a multi-year play right there by itself. Then you start to expand with new lifts, hotels. Over the time, you, this whole span, you add on a couple hundred condos, apartments, houses at each wave of this growth span. So it's it's a long-term vision. And, and again, I mentioned lightly on the job piece, we plan on building out an industrial park, which is is very closely tied to what goes on in Massachusetts, Greater Boston. And really the 93 corridor, which again, Dan talks about that as being very uh, valuable to us from a scheme perspective, but it's also very valuable to us from an attraction of company standpoint. Companies will locate where, pl- where places are easy enough to get to, where they can build communities. Basically, they actually look at the demographic analysis to see if the people that can be as their affordable housing, whether their employees can live 
And that's why corporate headquarters are not located in those towns. So Teddy really has more infrastructure than people realize because we kind of have blank canvas with all this acreage right now to create what we want. And we're going to kind of put all of that together. So we talk community, we really are talking about job creation, housing, and then instilling all the amazing around it, of which Teddy will be a major contributor to the amenity base. Dan, I have one more question for you. You told me in our best-selling book, 30 Years in a White Haze, well, award-winning, I don't know about best-selling, but award-winning, definitely. My goal for- best-selling too. Best-selling. Oh, good, good. My goal with Tenny was to have a place that brought back the real essence of skiing. It was a huge success for me personally, and we achieved a lot. We reopened and rebuilt a ski area that is now destroyed. How do you, very nice. Thank you very much, Steve. <laughs> How do you feel that that statement is now, you know, it, it's, it's no more. Tenny is no longer destroyed. It's building itself back up. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's huge, right? The one, I don't think it, nobody really ever wants to leave a project unfinished. And knowing Tenny's potential and bringing it back, it, it's, it's amazing, right? And I, I think also, to have a ski area gives a nod to skiers and riders, to action sports athletes, to the X game athletes that are here this weekend, to people like Annalisa Drew. When she just said, what's my job going to be? I said, I'm going to do for you what I wish every skier, all my ski areas had done for me. Like honor you, put you in your right place as an Olympian in this state of New Hampshire. We can't forget about these athletes. There's no union for X game athletes. We're going to honor these people. And I love that, the tradition of that. When you look at, you mentioned the great ski areas of New England, smugglers and, and, and others. There's a history of people and lineage, a generational tie to these locations. That generational tie is huge, right? And so that, that, that feels good, right? When, when grandparents are coming up here, who learned to ski here and they brought their kids and they're, they're bringing their next gen here. It's great. I can't tell you the number of, of, uh, past employees, unfortunately, who have died just over the 20 years and their children have come up here to see me at Tenny. Like that's amazing. The people parking our cars in the parking lot, some of them were still here when I was here 20 years ago. Ray, Ray, who's running for lifts has been here for 20 years since I left. She's still. Still here, still loving Tenny, still plugging. So there's a lot of reasons why I think Steve's investing the way he is in the community and the people up here. You know the best thing, Dan, because you and I spoke about it when you took over this position. The best thing is that the iconic 10E sticker is back because that sticker at one point was viral in New England. Yeah, I appreciate that, Michael, because of course, People think about iconic stickers. They think about Sugarloaf, right? Uh, uh-huh. Matter for uh, Glenn. Yeah, Matter right? I mean, those are the two top stickers, no doubt, right? But we had traction with Tenny, and it's hard to get that traction. It is back now, and uh, we've had a lot of requests for the 10E stickers, and and I love that, that, that it start churn again in that direction. I've got to get one. I can't wait to grab a sticker and grab a few runs up at Tenny this winter. Stephen, Dan, thank you very much. This was awesome. I think it's very, it's very encouraging what you guys are doing to a place like Tenny, and that is beloved. And that's important now, especially as on a day of the mega pass, that small areas are starting to rebuild something, to rebuild a trust or just a connection 
with its skiers. And I think that that is sort of a full circle thing that maybe we're undergoing here. And uh, it's great to see Kenny part of the Renaissance. So thank you very much for both joining us in the Base Camp podcast and good luck all the rest of the season. We'll see you on the slope. Yes, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. That was great. And I had to go get my Tenny hat, to sh- my new Tenny hat, to okay. show you that. Nice. Very nice. I believe, we believe, let's make Tenny great. Nice. Nice. Well, we appreciate everything you guys did. We'd love to have you both up here, Michael, when you're ready to rock and ski again. Let us know. Get Come up, hang out, let's ski. And Eric, let's go, my man. You got it. Absolutely. Me and Aaron Rodgers there will be skiing the slopes. You and Aaron Rodgers. But, but I'm, but I'm going to make, make him ski on narrower skis so he can actually carve a ski turn for me. Yeah. So. Dan, thank you very much. Good luck to Teddy. Will, light. we will be right back uh, after this. Looking for expert ski, snowboard, and boot fitting advice? Stop into one of Country Ski and Sports' three locations in Quincy, Westwood, or Hanson, Mass. As a third-generation family business, Country Ski has provided Boston-area skiers with the best service and discounts in the area for over 50 years. Whether you are brand new to the sport or a seasoned veteran, Country Ski has the equipment and accessories for all ability levels. Don't forget to ask about their popular season lease program, which helps families eliminate the growing pains of purchasing new equipment every year as kids grow. And don't forget, any child 18 years or younger receives a free season pass to Saddleback Mountain with each lease from Country Ski. Visit CountrySki.com for all the latest information or to shop online. All right, welcome back. Mike, when was the last time you skied Tenny? I'm going to assume it wasn't recently since it hasn't been open no it it wasn't recently and somebody asked me if i've ever climbed it on skins i go no i probably should have but the the last time tenny opened i forget who the gentleman was that purchased it they opened to a snowstorm and day one opened i wasn't capable going up day two i made the trip up there by myself and it was unbelievable probably 18 inches of fresh snow from two days prior and i skied the normal normal trails because the ski area really hadn't been taken care of things were weren't there were there was pucker brush everywhere there were few trails that were good the ski patrol they had there was brand new really knew nothing. So I skied a couple runs and I looked at a brand new ski patroller and I tried to explain to them that I had skied Tenny so many times. And please listeners, don't judge me on this. I asked him if I could duck a rope to go ski some of the stuff that I grew had skied so much. Oh, Michael. Yeah, don't. Yeah, I, I don't condone it, but I did ask because if he said no, I would have backed right off. But I'll tell you, there is some skiing at Tenny that is unbelievable. I I made turns through the Parker brush, and I I took pictures of it on a pair of 106-width ripsticks because I was with Elon at the time. And on Sweet William, forget me not. And it was utterly incredible going, this mountain is real. 
And I probably made six or eight runs that way with the, with the ski patrol saying thing of the ski patrol. Yes. Yep. And, but I'll tell you what, it is a fun skiing mountain with no pretentiousness. What do you, do you compare it to any other mountain? I, I know Stephen somewhat is doing comparisons, but do you compare it to any other mountain in terms of pitch, terrain, difficulty, et cetera? The, the lower mountain itself, the run out under the lift, Tenny's biggest drawback has been the double going up the main mountain. It's always been the drawback because it's probably it, now the slowest lift in New England, correct? Now that the um, triple is gone. Yeah, well, I was going to mention Adatash, same type of thing, except Adatash took you over pitch. At Tenney, the pitch comes in different, at different levels. So the area that I was skiing on that day is fairly steep. Dan and I had skied it numerous times when he was up there. The pitch under the main lift has a lot of flat spots to it. It's natural terrain. So as soon as they can replace that lift, it will become a lot of fun down that main face. Whether you go left or right as a skier, that's where you can find the pitches that are super, super fun. Did somebody just do the thumbs down on your Zoom? What was that? I guess I just saw a big thumbs down pop up on your screen. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I guess we're getting... Siskel and Ebert by, by someone. I don't know what's going okay. on. I didn't see. Uh, producer note, I was just telling you guys that I was getting a little bored with the discussion. Oh, oh, okay. Either well, that then, or I hit the wrong button. Maybe I need to Sorry. wrap it up then. <laughs> no, let's, let's, let's nix that. Where do you want us to continue? <laughs> so I, well, I don't, I don't have to nix it. Yes. It sounds terrible on when you're listening to it. If it's okay. So we'll cut that up. All right. Yeah. So. So, so cut it from where I said somewhere during my day on the hill, my last day there. Okay. So, so Eric, have you been, have you skied there? I have never skied Tenny. I am going up within the next couple of weeks though, because I can't wait to check out. We, we hear a lot about these mountains under new ownership and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And a lot of the time, it just doesn't materialize because of one reason or another. It's it's a difficult industry to get into. I think Stephen Kelly, with his background in in developing and what he's done already just in the past, whatever, 12, 18 months, is already far ahead of anybody else that has owned this place. So I'm extremely interested to see the development of Tenny and I'm even like they like they talked about the community and to have this place as Plymouth's own Tenny is going to be a magical sort of story to watch as it opens up. Oh, it sure will be. I want to revert back just a little bit. You asked me what ski area would it ski like? Right. I would I would put it as a a very large black. How does that sound? That sounds great. It has has some great skiing in the trees and the steeper stuff, but it is very friendly to your average skier. I'll tell you what, if you do a marketing thing where you say, hey, Tenny is the black of Southern New Hampshire. It's a lot quicker to get to for Bostonians. That's a marketing campaign that would work based on black's popularity. But I'm not a marketer or a PR person. I don't know anything. So Mike, anything else? I don't, I think that's it. I'm just, first off, Dan Egan, dear friend, I'm stoked for Dan to be back home. And Stephen Kelly, Dorchester boy doing something good 
in New Hampshire. This is a all in New England project that I'm stoked to see where it goes. Thank you very much. I am too. I can't wait to see what happens at this place. I am Eric Wilbur. That is the Basecamp podcast. We will see you next week. New England Ski Journal's Basecamp is a Siemens Media podcast. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful.